All right, folks, welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I'm excited to discuss this Denver Nuggets win as the Nuggets defeat the Washington Wizards. Final score, 118-104. Probably a closer score than I think the actual game really indicated on that one. Not a real surprise that Denver won this one either. Washington coming off of the second night of a back-to-back. Kyle Kuzma didn't play. He was already out. And then Bradley Beal goes out with some knee soreness, I guess. Uh, Is this tanking for Victor Wembanyama? I don't really know. But not a surprise that Denver was able to pull this one out. A little bit surprised that it was as close as it was, I think. But uh, Denver, they kind of messed around in that first half pretty clearly. Not necessarily... Their best effort as it pertains to uh, sticking with their their details and their principles and things like that. But it is what it is. The most important thing for the Nuggets is that they got the dub. They are 3-2 and two on the road trip. Hallelujah. They are now one game over 500 on the road at 19-18, and 18, which I think is pretty interesting. If you have a negative road record in the Western Conference, you don't go to the finals. That is what the last 20 years have said. Obviously, most of the time, the discrepancies aren't as stark as they are. But for this particular year, it has certainly felt like the Nuggets have uh, just been slightly better than the rest of the Western Conference. Not necessarily that much better, but certainly slightly better. And they now are one of the only teams that has a positive road record. And I do think that that is a strong indicator of where things are still to go. But in general, let's get into all of the stuff uh, for this game. Let's talk about Nikola Jokic, who was absolutely awesome in this game. I thought that he did exactly what he needed to do. I feel like in Nuggets media, I'm a little bit more critical sometimes of Joker, of the levels that he reaches, of the energy that he reaches. I thought that Even in the first half, I thought that he did a great job. I thought that he was doing exactly what the Nuggets needed, and it just didn't really manifest into what the Nuggets needed for for points and for getting stops and things like that. There were other factors that I think really pertain to that, but in that third quarter, Jokic turned it on. He was absolutely fantastic. I see uh, 12 out of 16 FGFG that I'm going to edit out because I want to. Pretty pretty bad typo there. There we go. Uh, 12 out of 16 field goals, 2 of 3 from 3. I love the 3 that he takes when he has a guy that's in guarding position against him, but not really protecting against the 3. And then he kind of pump fakes, figures out what he wants to do, and then rises and hits that 3 over the top of somebody else. That's always a great one. And Daniel Gafford tonight. Oh, I feel bad for the guy. Like it, it is. It is one of his toughest matchups. I gotta imagine in the entire NBA. I'm sure that Embiid's a tough matchup. I'm sure that Giannis is a tough matchup for different reasons. But Jokic, every single time Jokic wanted to get to where he needed to go, he did. And like 12 of 16, I think underscores the the dominance that Jokic played with on a consistent basis tonight. 31 points, 12 rebounds, 7 assists, only 2 turnovers in that third quarter, as I mentioned. Denver was a plus 23 in that quarter, and Jokic was out there for that entire time. Uh, It does say to me that good things, that hey, Jokic was a plus 28. He wasn't just positive in that one quarter. He was plus 5 in the other 3 quarters. But 
obviously the one that really got away for Washington was that third, and Jokic obviously at the center of it in just about every capacity. He was great. Uh, really appreciate the effort that he put in tonight and the defense that he put in tonight. Not necessarily his best defensive game, but I, I, I mean, he it was it was a good defensive game. It wasn't his very best defensive game, is what I'm trying to say. The three steals and his ability to kind of clog the middle of the paint for the Wizards was really really good. They tried to get passes through the deep through the teeth of the defense. Denny Avdia really struggled in trying to get that pass through. He committed four turnovers, although the rest of his his stat line, Denny Avdia, 16 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists on 7 of 9 from the field. That's pretty good. But in general, uh, Denver, they were able to really collapse the paint. Washington, they hit 4 out of 26 from 3, and that put everything going towards the rim. And, And I think Jokic actually really appreciates that. He doesn't want to be out on the perimeter, having to go back and forth, from the perimeter to the interior all the time, which is something that the Warriors do. But I think that Jokic, what he's done now, uh, it really was commendable. He got the DPOG chain tonight and absolutely deserved it. Jamal Murray thought this was a really good game from Jamal too. And he was, he staggered with the second unit tonight. There were definitely some things that I think you can nitpick with that group, especially in the, well, I mean, second half mostly, but first half, it wasn't very good either. And Jamal was a part of that. But when he was out there with the starters, they were cooking. They were absolutely dominant. No issues at all whatsoever with the starters. And not really surprised that, that that's going the way that it does. They, there's nobody really to stop Jamal. Nobody really to stop Nicola. I think if you look at the Washington Wizards starting lineup, uh, Monte Morris was out there. He guarded Jamal a lot of that time. And then you yeah, had Denny Avdia at times, Corey Kispert at times, and then off the bench, Daylon Wright was also pretty impactful in terms of his defensive play, but mostly on the second unit. But Morris, I mean, like Mate, God love him. Like he, he's he's fantastic, and he got two steals tonight. But he just doesn't have a lot of ability to like stop things physically. And Jamal was able to get to where he wanted to go, set up the team. Really looked for Michael Porter a lot of the time tonight, too. And I thought that he did a great job of setting up both Jokic and Porter on a lot of these possessions. And uh, that's that's what you want from a point guard. That's what you want is for him to direct everything. And then Jokic tonight only had seven assists, but the ball was really moving well. It wasn't necessarily like it was sticking in Jamal's hands all the time. Denver had a really good offensive flow, especially with that starting group. It was with the secondary group that things kind of devolved into into some not so great stuff but i thought that jamal did some great things when he's hit, when he hit that three at the beginning of the third quarter coming off of the screen really curling he set the back screen for aaron gordon i believe and then curled around the left elbow to the three point line and and made sure to to get that handoff from jokic and received it well took the shot confidently and hit it jamal did jam his thumb by the looks of things, not necessarily a great sign, but he played through it. Looked like he, I mean, he was grimacing and holding it the entire time. But if anything, he got better after he jammed that thumb, which is it's a very Jamal-esque thing to do is to get hurt, grit through it and just play better. He's done that before on sprained ankles. He's done that before when bumping knees. He does it a lot where he just fights through the pain, plays really well 
and really locks in. And I, I liked what I saw from him for sure. Uh, didn't have any steals or blocks tonight, but he did have six rebounds. And I do think that his hustle on the defensive glass actually was a big deal. Uh, they're Denver, like sometimes they're pretty lax with that, but most of the time Jamal's the guy that you can look to as coming from the perimeter and getting some extra defensive rebounds. Aaron Gordon only grabbed one tonight. Michael Porter grabbed five. Murray grabbed five. Jokic grabbed seven. KCP grabbed three. Uh, you like to see that from Jamal. Be a big guard. Next, let's go over Michael Porter. Porter was really struggling from two the entire game. He was really struggling to get his shot off. Did I have six? Re- yeah. Oh, no. He had seven rebounds. Excuse me. Uh, Michael Porter had seven rebounds to go with his 21 points, seven of 16 from the field, but six of nine from three. Uh, his jumper in that third quarter was just absolutely spectacular. <laughs> it was, it's one of those things that you, you sometimes forget when you're going into, into a game like this, where if he, if he gets rolling, like, there are enough times where it doesn't go down that you can sort of forget what happens when he's absolutely on fire. And he was absolutely on fire in that third quarter. Jamal looked to set him up. Jokic looked to set him up. Everybody was looking to set up Michael Porter, and he absolutely caught fire and and hit some big shots. Uh, In that run, that was a really big deal, obviously. It was the difference in the game where Denver wins this game by 20 or by 14, and they won that quarter by 23. Like, you don't do that, and, and you're really in trouble. So good to see him be a big byproduct of. Denver's good process, Denver's good offense. I thought that his defense tonight, Porter's, was pretty decent. Had a couple steals, got into the passing lanes, did a nice job uh, against... I I don't think he was against Avdia for much of that time. He was mostly chasing uh, Corey Kispert around. Actually, no, that's that's not really true. Because in the starting lineup, you had uh, Aaron Gordon guarding Porzingis at the beginning. But they would get a lot of switches and cross-match and things like that. Uh, A lot of the time, though... Michael Porter doing a great job of using his height, using his athleticism, and it was it was good to see. Uh, he was also plus 28, and he's a big part of that. That when he's hitting, and when Murray's hitting, and when Jokic is hitting, it's really hard to stop the Nuggets. Those guys each combined for, if I do my math right, 69 points. Sick. All right. Aaron Gordon. 31 minutes tonight was also a plus 28, but it did not feel like he was a big part of everything that the Nuggets were trying to do. I thought that Aaron Gordon really struggled tonight, and it was in a variety of areas. Uh, His defense was not very good. He was also the guy that kind of helped let Kristaps Porzingis get going a little bit, not necessarily closing out to his shooting hand as well as he could have. Porzingis had 25 points on 17 shots and only took two free throws. Only took three threes as well. Uh, just some really, really impressive shot making from Kristaps Porzingis, although that's basically all that he did. No steals, no blocks, two assists, three rebounds. Three rebounds for a seven-footers. I mean, that's pretty That's pretty shaky. Uh, but 11 of 17 for Porzingis, and he was very good. Gordon was his cross match and, and also really struggled to impact the game in other ways other than scoring. Uh, Gordon had 12 points on six shots, and it's great to see him get those couple of threes to go down. He had been shooting 15% from three up through the All-Star break, or like post-All-Star break when he came back. And he hit four total threes between the game when he came back and tonight. And so it's nice to see him 
get some threes. They were wide open threes. They were dare you threes from Chris Depps Porzingis, where he was sunk all the way into the paint. Didn't even really provide a half-hearted contest on one of them. Jumped straight up in the air and tried to do a Luke Cornette contest on one of the other ones. And Aaron hits both of them, caused a timeout for one of them. And that was really good to see. That was a good action uh, for Denver to kind of go through. Where Aaron Gordon is going to be tested in the playoffs on that end of the floor. There's no doubt about it. He's going to have to hit those threes. If it's three threes, then he's got to hit at least one. If it's six threes, then he's got to hit at least two. But Denver, they've got to be able to make teams pay for just not guarding him. And Gordon's going to be the first and foremost guy where if he can hit those threes, teams are going to be less likely to just leave him. And so great stuff to be able to hit those. But the overall impact from Aaron Gordon, I think, has been greatly diminished. Uh, whether it was guarding Kristaps Porzingis, whether it was switching on to Avdia, whether it was switching on to guards, Gordon was kind of the mark in a lot of the ways on the defensive end, especially in that second quarter where things were not looking good for Denver. Uh, it, it felt pretty bad, and Gordon's effort was not great. Avdia hit a nice uh, turnaround fall away at the buzzer on the baseline over Gordon, and he just looked very defeated in that moment. So I'm not sure what's going on, but one rebound is not good enough. One assist, not good enough. Uh, I don't really care about the points. He does not have to score. I think if he takes shit, if he takes six shots, that's fine with me. There's no doubt that he, he could take more, but six shots I think is perfect when Denver's got other guys that are playing the way that the, the big three are playing. So not a surprise that the numbers have kind of gone the way that they have, but I think he's lost some of that impact. So hopefully he is better against Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Milwaukee Bucks on Saturday when they come in. Finally, let's go to KCP. Not a good night for KCP from a shooting perspective, and and the plus-minus, I think, reflects that a little bit with how he spent his time with the bench. Uh, In that third quarter, he was the guy who benefited the least from a plus-minus perspective because he came off the floor at about the five-minute mark, I want to say, and came in, and, and Bruce Brown came in for him. That was so that KCP could stagger with the second unit because Jamal had it going. And because Jamal had it going and Denver basically kept their their three high scorers on the court for that entire time, Denver really ran up the score in that third quarter and then KCP came back into the game. Uh, end of the third quarter, beginning of the fourth quarter, played with the bench, and that bench did not look good. We'll talk about it in the second segment a little bit more, but I do think that There's a lot of folks that think that KCP with the bench is the answer. I don't think that they're right. I I really don't. I think that that bench needs a primary creator, needs somebody who can score the basketball or at least direct traffic a little bit better. And that's turning out to not be Bruce Brown. It's turning out to not be KCP or certainly not Christian Brown. So it's probably got to be Jamal Murray or it's got to be Reggie Jackson. And I don't think that Reggie Jackson is the right fit for that bench unit. So it's probably just got to be Jamal. And we'll talk about why in the second segment, but KCP missed a couple open threes, uh, had four assists and three rebounds and one steal. So it wasn't an empty game from him, but I, I don't think his overall level of shooting was requisite with what he's done, has had some great shooting performances. Uh, but I do think that his shooting has slowed. It hasn't really held up to the same degree post-All-Star break that it was pre-All-Star break. So 
he is going through not really a slump, but like definitely regressing back down to earth a little bit. He's still above 40%. That's a good thing. Denver needs a 40% three-point shooter out there that teams just can't abandon. But in order for that to really work, he's got to be hitting those shots. And Denver's not going to go anywhere if KCP doesn't shoot, I don't know, at least 30% from three. So he's got to shoot at least 30%. And the higher that he does shoot, it will make things so much easier for the rest of the team. You won't be able to collapse on everybody if KCP is drilling shots the way that he needs to. So hopefully that gets back to a good place. But either way, good performance from the starters. Clearly they were great for the vast majority of the game. Plus minus in that third quarter was incredible. Everybody was a part of it. It was it was good to see. It was good to see, especially from the big three. But let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss uh, the bench lineup and what we can kind of take away from that group. But first, this podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook. You don't need to find a pot of gold to strike it rich this March. Instead, win money on your tournament wagers with Superbook Sports. Superbook features some of the best odds makers in the business, so they're the safe bet when it comes to sports gambling. You have a direct line to their experienced staff behind the counter in Las Vegas. They also have one of the most extensive betting menus around. So no matter what you want to wager on come come tournament time, Superbook is sure to have it. Download the Superbook Sports app and start winning today. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. and roll. Ryan Blackman here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love on the podcast, of course. If you can, it'd be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. Also, make sure to drop a like. So we've got the likes flowing in already. Really appreciate everybody for sharing out the pod and making sure that uh, it's getting the love. And that that's always super helpful and, and really exciting for me during this process. It makes me feel valued and appreciated. So thank you so much. All right, let's now discuss the bench. First half, the bench lineup was a group that I think we're we're pretty familiar with by now, although Zeke Nagy, I think, throws a little bit of a, not a wrench, but like a a, a wrinkle into that group. Jamal, Bruce, Christian, Jeff, and Zeke. And that lineup was minus four in seven minutes. I, I remember tracking it. Jokic today was a plus 28 in a game the Nuggets lost by 14. First half bench stint, second half bench stint, they combined for minus eight. And then I, I think the last little bits uh, with Thomas Bryant and Ish Smith and, and the deep bench, they were minus six. So minus four in seven minutes isn't that bad. It, it could be worse. And it probably will be worse at various points. If this is a bad stint from this bench going forward with Jamal, Bruce, Christian, Jeff, and Zeke, then that's fine. Like, If Denver can consistently get a little bit better than minus four, then that's great. That's perfectly reasonable. But I don't think we have any evidence to say that it will be that much better 
I did post some numbers earlier today that when Jamal plays on the bench without another point guard next to him, things are a little bit better. I think they have like a plus 0.8, plus 0.9 net rating on cleaning the glass in those possessions. Now, that's better when Aaron Gordon is out there or when Michael Porter is out there or when KCP is out there. It's not necessarily great when it's four other bench guys. So that was what happened in the first half. And in the second half, Denver switched it up where they had KCP with that bench group instead of Jamal. And then they have Bruce, Christian, Jeff, and Zeke. And that group was minus four and four minutes. And Malone was just not having it. He brought back in Jokic with a four-minute rest and just brought him back in to make sure that the game was decided by the time garbage time could ensue. And Denver had a 20-point lead heading into that fourth quarter. So not really surprised that it went that direction. But yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough. Like I just don't like this particular unit. I think that this group right here doesn't have enough spacing, doesn't really have enough playmaking, doesn't really have like there are some weak points on the defensive end with Jeff Green that like that's that's just tough. And when you switch everything, which this group likes to do, Bruce Brown then becomes a little bit of a liability when he has to guard somebody who's six nine or six ten or taller. And Denver, they should be trying to avoid that as much as possible. They do try scram switching at times, and that that definitely helps. But overall, this bench is just it's just not been good. And you would think it would be better against the Washington Wizards on the second night of a back to back, but I I just I don't know what to think. Bruce Brown, he got a floater to go tonight. That was great. That was nice. Uh, most of the time, the floater's still not good, though. He missed a couple of other floater looks. Uh, missed a three as well. He is also really struggling from that three-point line now in the second half of the season. But he's still at 14 points on five of 10. Was four of four from the free throw line. That's a good indicator that he's locked in. Six rebounds, two assists, two blocks. A couple of the blocks, like, that both of them were, were very impressive. And, and they're good plays that Denver needs. Uh, Bruce, I think... I think I have been underrating what he does defensively, especially lately, because sometimes in the flow of it, it is hard to see, and you're just looking for the end result. And a lot of times the end result will happen where Bruce gets switched onto somebody bigger and doesn't really handle it that well. But in the possessions at the beginning where he is trying to prevent the ball from getting to where it needs to go, he's actually been much better of late than I've given him credit for. So I do want to say that up front. Uh, I do think that the minutes that he's playing, 29 minutes, he is a sixth He's a sixth starter. That is his role on the team. And with the, that heavy of a minute load on a consistent basis, wouldn't surprise me if when he's playing 13 minutes in the first half, 15 minutes in the second half, things like that, that he's probably getting a little bit tired, probably not delivering as much of that oomph at the end of those stretches as he probably could be. So. Something to think about, but with the way that Denver staggers, they've got to have a guy that can stay out there for basically different varieties of the bench So, and, and of the starters. So it's not a surprise that Bruce is looking a little bit slow in that regard, but he's been good in other aspects. So I, I do want to give him credit. Was a plus five. A lot of that was to do with just being out there in that third quarter, at the end of that third quarter, but 
I don't know. There's there's some good, there's some bad. That's just kind of how it is most of the time. Jeff Green, um, just take a look at that stat line right there. 11 points on six shots, and then zeros across the board outside of three fouls. I wanted to make sure to note that because I think that's kind of becoming Jeff's role right now. And he is not really impacting the game outside of the, the limited shot opportunities that he does get. And three of six from the field and three of four from the three-point line, that's great. Hitting two threes, two out of three threes, is important. And so you need somebody, and Denver has needed somebody, that can just give them a little bit of a boost. So I don't want to bemoan Jeff's role, but I do think that his individual numbers probably don't reflect the impact that he's having on the bench unit. And I think that's a bad impact. I don't think his activity level is good enough. I don't think his willing his unwillingness to really get off the ground for some of these rebounds or try to rebound outside of his area, I think that's impacting the team in a negative way in those units. I think that his propensity to foul rather than giving up some of those baskets, it put Denver at a really big disadvantage in that second quarter where 2 minutes in to the second quarter they had 14 fouls already and were the bonus for the rest of the way. So It's tough. Denver, they've got to be better than that. And Jeff has to be better than that, too. Just hasn't been. Uh, Do I expect this to change? I don't know. I do think that Jeff has shown a propensity to raise his game when it it gets a little bit tougher. And and he's been one of those guys that's been very competitive in those situations. It's hard to be competitive against the Wizards, folks. I understand. Definitely not like like if I was in that position, I do think that I would probably be more like Jeff Green than I would be like, I don't know, Jose Alvarado or somebody like that on the New Orleans Pelicans. But I do think that in general, Jeff's got to provide more than what he's providing. And he can't just be this kind of second or third option on the D, on the offense for that bench unit next to Jamal. And he's got to be more than like just, just the zero rebounds that he's grabbing or the, the assists or providing some more defensive impact. And I just don't think he's done that. So it's tough. Like I, I don't want to overstate the point here, but he could be better just like everybody else. And I think that if there is a guy that you're taking out of the rotation, it's probably him. But probably won't be because we're getting to that. Christian Brown. I don't think Christian Brown helped himself out much tonight. 0 of 3 from 3, those were his only three shots in the game. He didn't drive the lane. He didn't get to the free throw line. Didn't really take a lot of chances with the ball in his hands. And when you're a rookie, I can understand that. And he probably didn't have that many opportunities to do so anyway. But in general, I don't think that Denver's offense is doing the right things when it comes to their bench. I think that they're going the wrong direction with Christian Brown, where he should be a guy that's going off the dribble, that is using his body, using his physicality. He's been so great on drives. Like He's actually had some great possessions as a secondary driver from the middle of the floor, and or, or if he's driving baseline. And he had a really nice pass tonight where he was playing give-and-go basketball with Jokic and really set up Jokic on the move in a really, really easy way. So he has the capability to do stuff, and I'm surprised that they're not really letting him do stuff. Or maybe it was just kind of a, a byproduct of the game plan tonight. Maybe they, they the ball just didn't really swing to him. They were really looking for 
other guys when it came to creating offense. And then he did have a couple of opportunities to finish the play and just didn't do that tonight. So, look, I I don't want to bemoan it. I think that his defensive effort is the best of everybody on the bench. He deserves to be out there for that continuous defensive effort. And being a switchable wing, it helps Denver when they're trying to switch everything. You've got a 6'7 guy. You can realistically put him on uh, a smaller center or a bigger point guard. Like there, There's a lot of guys that, that are even, even just a normal point guard. Like He can guard a lot of different positions, of course. And he's shown that utility over the course of this time. So I think he deserves to be out there, of course. I think he's got to be a guy who you trust and continue to trust. I would rather see them try to get him going towards the basket. I would. I don't want to see him just be a spot up three point shooter because that's not his game. Like he, he's he's never really going to be that unless I'm, I'm not seeing the right things. I think he is more capable and more versatile than he was given credit for tonight. Zeke Naji, twelve minutes tonight, not involved at all. Very little involvement for Zeke. He did some. He did setting some screens. Uh, two points to uh, both of those at the free throw line and, and did make his free throw, so that's good. But two rebounds and mostly was just not involved with the play when he was on the offensive end, had a turnover. I don't even remember where the turnover was, uh, but three fouls and a lot of the possessions that he had where he was switching out on two other players, he wasn't as effective tonight, uh, whether it was against DeLon Wright or Kendrick Nunn or I think Jordan Goodwin was another guy that came off of the Wizards bench. Those guys, they like, they didn't really have that much of an issue going up against Zeke. And they're all guards, so not really a surprise. You'd rather have forwards they're switching out onto as opposed to point guards. But uh, I think that Zeke could be better in that situation and probably deserves an opportunity to be better against uh, the Bucks on Saturday upcoming. So I would still expect them to play in that particular matchup, but it wouldn't surprise me if he plays very little or he gets into foul trouble going up against Giannis, and and that could be a, a pretty big issue. But he can't just be a bystander. He has to be part of things, and the Nuggets have to be actively trying to make him part of things. I think Jeff Green took over in a good way uh, as as a scorer, as a shooter, where you have 11 points on six shots if you're Jeff Green. That's, that's good numbers. But with Zeke... And with Christian Brown, like those guys can't combine for three shots. Like they, they just can't. That's not, it's not good enough if you want those guys to be an actual part of the rotation. Like Denver can do better than that. And Murray probably has to do a better job if he's out there with that first half group. But second half, Denver didn't really have anybody to, to set the table for those guys. Bruce Brown only had two assists and two turnovers in that stretch. So they can do better. Denver can do better. They should probably try to do better for Zeke, but he's working his way back. Not really a surprise that he can go up and down. And so hopefully the, the next swing is up and, and he finds an opportunity to be impactful against a really, really good basketball team in the Bucks. But either way, strong game. Strong game from Denver. They did a lot of good stuff and ultimately came out with the victory. The bench is obviously still an issue. If I were Denver... I would experiment with trying to stagger AG. I would try to get him out there with Jamal or maybe even get Michael Porter out there with Jamal at the four and just try to see what that group looks like. I think it might be something that they're saving 
but it does seem like Denver is pretty rigid with those rotations right now where they've got the four bench guys and they're either going to stagger Murray or they're going to stagger KCP. And that's basically going to be it unless something drastic changes. So we'll see if that's what continues to happen. But for now, let's take another break. When we come back, we are going to follow up with some hot takes from Denver Nuggets fans. We will be right back. second here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Let's wrap this up by talking about Denver as the 49-24 and 24 first place team in the Western Conference. As I mentioned before, 19-18 and 18 record on the road. They've got four more road games, and those are going to be... Uh, there's a one-off game that they go, second night of a back-to-back to the Phoenix Suns on a road trip. Let's actually check in and see where the Suns are at. The Suns are losing currently to the Lakers. Uh, I don't know if they're actually going to drop to six. Max, I could see them really dropping us to five, but Golden State did win tonight. Uh, we will see if the Clippers can continue to push upwards, but I, folks, I, I wouldn't get your, your hopes up. I don't think that the Suns are really going to drop. I think that they're most likely going to stay at four, uh, but Denver, they're at first place. They are they're feeling pretty good and, and I think should feel pretty good after a three and two road trip where things didn't really start well, but it did seem like Denver took over and made it so that this was a positive as opposed to a negative. It was great, great stuff from everybody. Magic numbers. Six is the only magic number that you need to know. That is the combined number of wins uh, for the Nuggets or losses for the opposition. Uh, and in this case, it's the Memphis Grizzlies who came out with the win tonight against the Houston Rockets, although they struggled with that one for a little bit. Where is my um, standings? I don't know where the standings are that I was looking at. Uh, let me just look that up right now here real quick. Standings that I'm looking at right now for the Nuggets. You've got 49-24 for them. Memphis is at 45-27. and 27. Kings, I don't think they're going to be able to catch Denver. Denver has now six more wins over the Kings, uh, and they've got five fewer losses. So it's just going to be really tough for the Kings to make that ground up. The Grizzlies technically could, but Denver has the tiebreaker over them. So if Denver goes, let's say, five and four the rest of the way in their nine remaining games, then they get to 54 and 28 uh, Memphis would have to get to 55 wins, which means they'd have to go to 10-0 and over the course of their final 10 games. They have an easy schedule, but I don't think it's that easy. I don't think that they're going to win out uh, for that entire time. So Denver has an opportunity over the course of these next couple of weeks to really wrap up that one seed. And if they take these upcoming games seriously, then that will be extremely helpful for them. So it will it'll give them an opportunity to rest in those final few games, and that would be absolutely encouraging for them. All right, let's get to some fan hot takes after a good win. I asked for these on Twitter. If you want to drop yours in the comments, then I'm sure we will pull them up as the rest of this segment continues to go. But I wanted to give Nuggets fans an opportunity to take a little bit of a breath, 
understand, hey, the, the sky isn't falling. You can have good positive takes about where the Nuggets are, and everybody should be pretty happy with, with where things are going, I think. So let's get to some of the hot takes. Matthew Kamura on Twitter said, Jokic is going to get a game-winning block on Embiid and Giannis in the next games, and the stigma of Jokic being a bad defender will disappear. Uh, I mean, that would be cool. That would be super cool if, if it were to happen, Matthew. I I don't think it's going to be a game-winning block. I, I don't think that Jokic is going to block fadeaways, and that's where Embiid is going to go to. He wants it to look sexy. He wants it to look uh, picturesque for an MVP. And if he does play, if he does play in Denver on Monday, sat out this last or sat out the second half of tonight's game uh, with what I think the Sixers broadcast was calling rest after they had thoroughly dominated the Bulls in the first half. Um, Embiid is going to play. I think I, I I don't see any reason why he wouldn't play against Denver. I think that he's probably going to try to prove a point, and that will be a very very interesting matchup. As will the matchup against Giannis. And the Bucks on Saturday, although they are coming off of the second night of a back-to-back, they'll have played on Friday in Utah in that game. So if Denver was able to have big wins in those games and, and Jokic made a positive defensive impact in those games, that to me is all I'm looking for. I don't necessarily need Jokic to go for the, the full board, but I like the enthusiasm. I like where you're going. It would be really, really fun if they were able to they're able to do that. Uh, let's get to uh, some of the comments now. Hot take from Hurricane. Man, you're really going out on a limb on this one, Hurricane. I, I appreciate the I appreciate the sentiments here. Winning is better than losing. Really good stuff. Really appreciate it. Uh, uh, Daniel says, tired of bet talk also. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand it. I, I know that in general – and a lot of this is like the MVP conversation I know that you're getting to. It's what pays the bills. I talked about this with uh, with Dan Favale, or Favale, excuse me, uh, on last night's podcast. So make sure to go check that out. There's a lot of good discussion from an honest perspective, not necessarily from the, the clicky narrative-based perspective that I think a lot of people are going for. I think that Dan has a lot of great takes, and I think that he – he cares about the honesty of the conversation that he can provide to it. So make sure to go check out that previous episode. Um, Hurricane's got a better one. Hot take. People from Philly shouldn't be allowed to. Jesus, never mind. Holy shit. I did not read the rest of that comment. Good Lord. Uh, yeah, if you want to if you wanna see what I'm, I'm looking at, people on, on the audio side, make sure to go click on the YouTube video. Um all right, yeah, let's let's get back to some better ones. Uh, John says, MPJ would lead the league in scoring if he was on a bottom half team. Uh, I think a game like tonight actually is a pretty good example of why I think this is false. MPJ was 0 of 6 from 2 until he finally got one to go in, in kind of the last couple minutes of the game where he had a nice little back cut from Jokic to be able to score. I don't think MPJ's handle and his quickness and his coordin I mean his coordination is great, but I don't think that he is coordinated enough at the rim to be able to dominate in the way that a scoring leader would have to. Like think of the guys that you're really comparing him to here. Joel Embiid is getting to the free throw line a ton. 
Giannis is getting to the free throw line a ton. A guy like a guy like Devin Booker or Kevin Durant or Steph Curry, like those guys are finding ways to the free throw line. They are coordinated at the rim. They have three levels that they can get to. MPJ is really expanding in terms of his ability at the at the mid range, but at the rim, it's hard for him to create shots on his own. He oftentimes has to have other guys create some some back cuts, like he gets the back cuts and, and Jokic feeds him and things like that. So I do think that MPJ, if he were if he had been developing on one of those bad teams for the beginning portion portions of his career, his numbers would be better than they are now. I think that he has had to relearn how to play Jokic style basketball and team style basketball and has really bought into that side of his his uh bought into that culture and, and has been really good at it. But in terms of like actually being a, a top level scorer, I think he needed that uh the the opportunity for two thousand plus minute seasons for just getting up shots on a team, kinda like what Jalen Green has right now, what Devin Booker had. Uh, in his beginning tenure in Phoenix, uh, the opportunity to go for 50-point games. Like, MPJ just doesn't really have that because he shares the court with a lot of other great people. And in a system like with Jokic, that it's just it's very important to be able um, – <laughs> it's very important to be able to do all of that. And then it's going to help Denver win a title if they can. Uh, Kevin Kirby in the comments says, Hot take the Nuggets losing streak will help them in the long run there. Uh, they are better off for it. I think I agree with you. And I've, I've talked about this a little bit. I've thought for a long time that Denver, they've shown some great regular season wins. They've, so, they've shown some great regular season intensity. They haven't been able to show the playoff intensity. And they never, they probably never will during the regular season. And, you have to find ways to unlock that. You have to find ways to get through a, a lot of the tough stuff. And I think they got through the tough stuff. I think that this last losing streak, uh, losing five and seven, basically, was good for Denver, where they were able to uh, take over in, in a lot of good ways in, in games like these last two against Washington and against Brooklyn and just be better and be be more consistent in general. I'm hopeful that some of these moments with the bench, some of these moments with uh, Jokic's less than stellar defense lately, uh, KCP kind of going through a slump here, Aaron Gordon going through a slump here, Murray and Porter kind of having to, to step up their games in a way. I think that it's all tied together. And the great thing about the playoffs and the terrible thing about the playoffs is that it's spread out across two months. And it's just a, it is a massive, massive undertaking to be able to get through that. And Denver's going to have an opportunity. They're going to start it off at like April 15th or so. That would be my guess for when the first game gets going. And once they do that, they are going to, they're hopefully going to be there for the long haul. So it's good that they're kind of taking this in, in pace. They're pacing themselves a little bit here. And I think that Denver is going to be better off for it. I, I do actually agree with this one for sure. Um, Another one here from, Jesus, I assume, Jesus and not Jesus. Uh, really appreciate you. Uh, hot take. Jokic dominates Embiid and Giannis by playing a sexy game and passing the eye test. Uh, that would be... 
I mean, that'd be cool. <laughs> that'd be pretty, pretty cool. If, if he was just throwing up soundboard shuffles and like pump faking and beat him to oblivion and getting him off his feet on a, on a two pointer or something, then blowing by him for a dunk. Uh, that'd be great. <laughs> that'd be great. And to be able to maybe get a couple blocks here or there, uh, have a, a between the legs bounce pass or something like that. There's a lot that he could do to put on a show. There's a lot that he could do against Giannis to put on a show. And he has. Like, he's honestly done that against both of those guys before. But most especially Giannis. I think he's had a lot of sexy moments, sexy games against Giannis. Like, you think back to the game where the Serbian national team versus the Greek national team in this offseason, where they played, and then Jokic has that sombre shuffle out of the corner for a three. That's as, as crazy as it gets in the fourth quarter of a close game. Uh, and then he's had some moments like he somewhere shuffled against Giannis and got an and one against them uh, in, in one of their previous matchups. I think it was last year, if I'm not mistaken. He's actually had a lot of great moments against Giannis and doesn't really get a lot of credit for it. But we will see what it looks like. I, I think that these upcoming games are going to tell a lot. They're going to tell a lot about Jokic's mentality and, and each of those other guys' mentalities, too, in terms of what they want for the rest of this season. And we're just going to have to see. We're going to have to see what it looks like. Uh, Jesus has another one. Jokic wins his third MVP, but shares the accomplishment with Embiid. Co-MVPs. How? <laughs> I, I'm laughing at the idea of ESPN trying to cover that. I think that would be just a very interesting way to just, just get away from all of this stuff. Like, if the voting was tied, if they had, like, if they each had the same number of points from the voting at the end of all the voting, that would be crazy. That would be like co-MVPs for the first time in NBA history. I mean, they probably deserve it, if we're being honest. Like, I think that Embiid deserves at least that nod. And he probably is the leader right now. Maybe not from a statistical standpoint, but there is some narrative perspective that I, I do try to take into account at least. But uh, it, it is interesting to think about. Co-MVPs would be hilarious. Astrid says, hot take, the Nuggets peaked too soon. Um, yeah, I think uh, it's interesting. I, I don't think that's they. I don't think that they peaked too soon. I think what it looks like a lot of the times is just the roles of the season. If you remember back to last year, the Phoenix Suns were peaking for the entire season. They were very, very good all the way through. And they never had a let-up at all until they did. And sometimes it just takes a moment. Sometimes it just takes a, a matchup where you just can't get past a certain matchup and it's going to look pretty bad. For Denver, they might look bad. They might look bad against Phoenix. They might look bad against Golden State. And and maybe it's just something that they won't be able to get past. But in general, I'm I'm not really... Like, I'm not worried about them peaking too soon as a reason why they can't do that. Like teams are going to figure that out against them. Teams are going to figure out some different things, but Denver's going to figure out some other things too. I feel pretty confident in Murray. I feel pretty confident in Porter. I feel pretty confident in Jokic. Like I feel extremely confident in Jokic just raising his game to another level. And I think we're already kind of seeing it. Like this 31-12-7 game that he had tonight, it was casual. It was not a, a physically exerting game from Jokic. And he just kind of went out and Lottie Da, 31, 12, and 7. Three steals. Picked the pockets of some guys. 
hit a couple threes, got an and one. Like just it, it wasn't it wasn't stressful. And and I think we're going to continuously find that in, in these upcoming playoffs too. Like who's gonna match up with them? Uh, Phoenix, like DeAndre Ayton will try. I don't think he's going to. Golden State, like Kevon Looney and, and Draymond Green will try. I, I don't think that it's gonna be the same as it was during these last playoffs, especially at the beginning. Like, Jokic now knows what to expect in that matchup. What, what, are, what are Giannis, or not Giannis, what's Draymond going to do that surprises Jokic in those playoffs? I don't think anything. So, we will see. We will see. Um, let's finish off with some questions now. We're, we're running a little bit over. Uh, Goat Boy. Shout out Goat Boy. He says, how confident are you that Yoke will switch to his usual score first play? Oh, I just I just uh, pretty much answered this. I haven't seen that way in a long time. I mean, I think he's going to be just fine. I really do think. It is going to be... It is going to be fine with Jokic. <laughs> I just think that he raises his game and that the spacing that it will provide with Murray and Porter out there as opposed to... Monte Morris, Will Barton, Jeff Green out there in the starting lineup. It's just going to be such a big deal. And there are going to be a lot of opportunities for him to go for some crazy numbers. And I don't see any reason why that would be different. Like if he has to face in the first half or the the first round against Rudy Gobert. Uh, he's cooked Rudy Gobert before. I don't see any reason why Rudy Gobert would stop him. Uh, who else could he face in the first round right now? Well, currently in the eighth seed is the Oklahoma City Thunder. Do you honestly believe that he's not going to bring his A game against the Oklahoma City Thunder? Like, I feel pretty good about him bringing his A game against the Oklahoma City Thunder. <laughs> we are, we're going to see, and, and maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I could be wrong. But it just seems to me like they're in a position, the Nuggets are, where they're, they don't have to worry about that right now. They'll worry about that when it comes. And, and I think the Jokic will be ready for it when it arrives. Like, I, I think that we're in line for... A pretty serious playoff run from Jokic. Couple more questions here. Uh, Astrid says, "Will Jokic ever get rid of the label of just being a one-sided player?" No, uh, no, I don't. I don't think it's ever going to happen. I think that in general, Jokic is always going to be one of those guys where the eye test with focus. Well, with people, they are going to be so focused on what he can't do rather than looking at what he can. And it's always just going to be how it is. Like, he's never going to switch out onto Steph and be elite. Although Kevin Love did it. And that's it. That's, that's like, he, he has a championship because of it. And everybody now talks about Kevin Love in that regard. As opposed to the Kevin, Kevin Love that was completely cooked on the perimeter when he was in Minnesota. And then was cooked for the first year of his time with Cleveland. And then now, he's a champion. And has one of the greatest moments against Steph Curry of, of anybody in history. So it's important to be able to, like, if he does have that moment where he switches out onto whoever it is, then <laughs> I think J.K. Rall, J.K. Walrus hits it on the head. He just needs a viral playoff defense moment. How cool would it be if he deflected a pass, uh, a game-winning deflection or something like that? How cool would it be if he got a game-winning block where they tried to challenge him? try to go up onto the other side of the rim, and he just blocks it right at the rim. And who does it have to be against? It doesn't have to be against anybody, really. Maybe it's against Devin Booker, 
and and maybe that's a like maybe that would be a pretty cool thing. Where, uh, but I, I don't know. We're gonna have to see. Like I, I'm not super frustrated on it, but uh, last one. Hurricane says thoughts on Cat's return. I didn't really get to take a look. I saw that he made some game winning free throws and, and had a couple points here. Came back eight of eighteen from the field, twenty two points plus thirteen in his twenty six minutes. Look, it's good to see Cat back out there. I think that the Wolves are more dangerous than a lot of people give them credit for. I think that Anthony Edwards coming back, like he he didn't come back in this game tonight, but he will be back in general. And then you've already got a very talented core around those guys where you've got Anthony Edwards, you've got Towns, you've got Gobert, Conley's now your fourth best player or your fifth best if you count Jaden McDaniels. Kyle Anderson goes back to being a sixth man as opposed to being uh, like the the kind of de facto point guard in a lot of the lineups that he's played. And you feel pretty good where Nas Reed is now your eighth man and Tarian Prince is now your ninth man. And it just has a, a massive effect on everything. So I, I think that people will, they are going to be underrating the Timberwolves. And I put out a prediction that said that basically Minnesota would defeat I think it said that they would defeat the Lakers in a 9-10 playoff matchup. And I got a lot of people that are like, come on, why, why, what are you thinking? What are you thinking there? I think the, the T-Wolves would absolutely beat the Lakers. Like They've got some good matchups against LeBron and some good matchups against AD. And Mike Conley going up against D'Angelo Russell, that would be pretty interesting. i feel pretty good about that one if I were, if I were the T-Wolves. So, is what it is. Uh, but everybody, I think that is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll. Michael, could you hit that outro music for me? Everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. Went a little bit long here on this one, but I do appreciate everybody for hopping in, having that comment section bumping. Uh, really appreciate it, as always. Good win for this Nuggets team. They've only got six on their magic number left to go. That could be a couple wins over the course of this, this Milwaukee Bucks game on Saturday night, this Philly game on Monday night, whatever you think is going to happen. I, I, I think we're in for a show. That's all. That's all I can really say. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. We'll be back on Friday to preview that Bucks game. Should be fun. See you guys.